It's time for Fed Talk, the live show for Feds in the know. From federal agencies to Capitol Hill, the attorneys of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth bring in experts from across the federal community to bring you inside the issues. Fed Talk is meant to provide general information about legal issues. However, the views expressed in this program are not intended to provide legal counseling. Listeners are cautioned not to rely upon any statements made in resolving legal issues they may face, but instead to consult with their own attorney about specific situations. Attorneys are not engaged in providing legal services while appearing on the program and are not responsible in any manner for the consequences that may stem directly or indirectly from reliance on any statement made during this program. Good morning and welcome to Fed Talk. I'm Deborah Roth. I will be co-hosting today's show. And with us today in the studio is a very rare event. Um, if you're listening because you saw it out there on the social media that we pushed it out there on, um, it is an incredible rarity to be able to have folks like these come talk to us for an hour at Fed Talk. We have the Counterintelligence Division of the FBI's Assistant Director with us today, Randall Coleman. Good morning. Assistant Director Coleman. Hey, good morning. Thank you for having us. Yeah, no, thank you for being on the show. Joining him is his chief of staff for the counterintelligence um, division. It's Agent John Lankhart. That's good morning, right. Great John. Great to be here. Thank you. And one of the section chiefs, one of the sections in the counterintelligence division at the FBI is the counter espionage division. I can't even believe I get to say that on air. <laughs> and we have with us the um, section chief. Um, Agent um, Sandy, I'm going to call you Sandy Cable. Good morning, Agent Good morning. Cable. Good morning. Happy to be here. Thank you for joining all of us. Joining me to co-host the show is my colleague and law partner, Julie Perkins. Um, and um, good morning, Julie. Good morning. And the two of us are just, um, you know, anytime we can, like, spend any time talking to anyone who does this kind of work, which fascinates the both of us, um, it really, it's fun. It's fun. But you're not here today. Um, for fun. You're here today because if if you've been on their website, you will know um, this is very serious business. And um, I want to start with Assistant Director Coleman and have him tell our listeners what is, I mean, I know this because I, you know, I practice law in this town. What does, what is counterintelligence and what does the division and the FBI, what is it they do in the world of counterintelligence? Well, again, uh, Deborah, thank you very much for having us. Sure. Uh, this, uh, as you mentioned, is uh, not something historically uh, that we engaged in. Uh, but, you know, it's, uh, we've, we've turned the corner in the FBI, certainly from the counterintelligence standpoint, uh, to make sure that we're, we're promoting our mission, uh, that we are using uh, the American public uh, to help us do our job. And, and we'll talk a little bit more about that and how serious the threat is. Um, why we're here today, obviously, is to get that message out. Mm -hmm. uh, I've brought with me uh, uh, two very talented people, a careerist in the FBI uh, that have dedicated their life to, to public service in the FBI and protecting the country. Um, the mission of the counterintelligence yeah. division. What is counterintelligence? Yeah, so, so intelligence work is, is offensive in nature, right? It's to go out and collect information and intelligence in order for our line of work uh, to um, help a particular government, right? Our job in the FBI is counterintelligence, right? Is to stop uh, hostile foreign intelligence services uh, from collecting that information and, and using it to harm the United States. 
In fact, our mission statement is very clear in the fact that it says, identify, neutralize, and defeat hostile foreign intelligence services that are operating against the United States. So first and foremost, that's really the, uh, uh, the framework of our mission. Um, the Counterintelligence Division, a very robust group of professionals uh, at headquarters here in Washington, D.C., uh, but I'd like to point out... And I imagine they're very interesting. Uh, they are. They are. <laughs> right? Very inter- very talented group of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm in awe um, many times uh, when you look at our workforce and the talent and the skill set that we have uh, from a professional support and analytical uh, from the analysts that we have and in, certainly from the agent uh, um, careers that we have in the organization. So it's unbelievable. Uh, But we have a very robust counterintelligence program at FBI headquarters, Mm -hmm. but we also have a counterintelligence program in each of our 56 field offices uh, across the country uh, that are working this uh, every day and are dedicated to that mission every day. Um, Something that I wanted to point out is is that we work very closely with the rest of the uh, U.S. intelligence community, Mm -hmm. and so we are intertwined. Uh, It's not just FBI-centric at FBI headquarters or out in the field offices. Uh, we have representatives from all of our USIC uh, partners. Uh, and then uh, there's, I, I, it's funny, I call it the hostage exchange, but we exchange detailees, right? And so I have people from the CIA and people from NSA uh, that work very closely shoulder to shoulder with FBI employees every day and uh, to coordinate and make sure that we're working together in concert yeah. uh, against that threat. That's all, that's all post-9-11. Absolutely. Um, um, came out of the 9-11 Commission. Um, and, um, you know, when you, if you go, people who are listening should go on the website, and which Julie and I did before, obviously, we did the show to learn about the work. I mean, and I was saying to, to you folks before the show, like, I mean, I'm inside the beltway. We know what's going on. You know, we hear things. But then you go on the website and you start reading these press releases about these individual cases that just don't make the news. And, um, you know, it's like, oh, of course the Russians are still engaged in Cold War espionage. Things we're going to talk about later on in the show. But it was um, it's um, it's it's things that are that we should expect are happening. But we don't hear about it because the news is very focused on the terrorist threat. And so, Assistant Director Coleman, how's that differ? How does what you do in counterintelligence division, how's that differ from what most people today think of as the job of the FBI, which is, um, you know, they're looking for the terrorist threat inside? Yeah, I think... I think one of the, it's part of this change that we've seen over time, right? And the FBI was built to uh, come in after the fact. A crime is committed, the FBI investigates, uh, and we find those responsible, and then we assist in the prosecution. And, and you know, we, we are the premier law enforcement agency at doing that. 9-11 changed that game for, for the FBI. And, and what really changed was is we had to be more predictive and more proactive Uh, in what we do, because we can't allow those things to happen. And that carries on into the counterintelligence world. Uh, I reject the argument that counterintelligence is defensive in nature. We have to be as proactive and predictive as we can. And the way that we do that is uh, we have, uh, over the last three years, really professionalized this, is we've brought on an extremely talented cadre of intelligence analysts. To be able to look over the horizon and look at what the threat is that's coming at us and be able to put resources 
uh, and plans together to stop the bad ha- the bad action from happening before mm-hmm. it happens. Right. It's no longer acceptable uh, to have something bad happen and then us come in uh, after the fact. It becomes a catastrophic event, certainly in the counterintelligence world. And so uh, Section Chief Cable here, his function uh, is, is specific to counter-espionage, mm-hmm. so spying, mm-hmm. where you have foreign intelligence services that are trying to penetrate the government or steal They're our spying secrets. inside the U.S. That's right. And so... Uh, his his job and, and what he really focuses on is putting the resources and the effort of the FBI along with our partners in a position to prevent it from happening before it happens and control that space uh, from an offensive perspective. And that's not easy. That's not an easy task. Uh, but I think what if you look at over the last four years of the FBI, we have arrested and prosecuted more people for espionage or espionage-related crimes than we have in our history. That, that is an amazing <clears throat> statistic, and how do you account for that? Well, there's, there's really a few factors, right? Number one is the world is much more unstable than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it just feels is. that way. It is. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was just because I was like getting old and middle-aged. It, <laughs> it does. It feels, it feels like it's, an unst- it's getting very unstable. Mm-hmm. And so as a result of that, hostile foreign intelligence services are more desperate uh, to steal and acquire technology, whether it re- relates to our warfighter or our economy. And so that brings an entirely uh, more aggressive uh, adversary uh, to the table. The next part, and we'll talk more about this later, is our outreach. Uh, and exactly why we're here today uh, is to communicate and, um, and bring an awareness to the public. Uh, and, and so people are, are thinking about this. And so when they see something They'll pick up the phone and call, and we can get involved much mm-hmm. early on. And, uh, you know, our outreach effort has been tremendous, and uh, I think that that really contributes to a lot of, of what I just described mm-hmm. in our arrests and our prosecutions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's, um, like I said, it's, um, it's incredibly interesting to be able to have the, the work of this part of our government here today to talk about it. We are going to get into a whole bunch of details um, about the mission and what they're doing and where they're doing and their successes and some of the things they're worried about that they're actually looking for your help on. Um, but we do need to take our first commercial break. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today. That's ltcfeds.com. Welcome back to Fed Talk. I'm Deborah Roth. I'm hosting today's show. With us today in the studio is the Assistant Director for Counterintelligence at the FBI, uh, Randall Coleman, his section chief, who is the uh, chief of the counter espionage section at FBI, uh, mm-hmm. Sandy Cable, and the chief of staff to the division, John Lenkart, who actually is the one who brought us the show. We should thank you on air. Thank you, John. Um, so, Assistant Director Coleman, before we start digging down into um, the work, you know, specifically what's the work of the division and where, you know, where are the efforts, tell us generally what the threats are. What are the threats that the division 
um, is focused on for mission purposes. Yeah, I, I think it's it's no secret. Obviously, our number one um, uh, threat that posed against the United States emanates out of China. Uh, when you look at the the our historic cases, uh, the intelligence that that we have, um, China poses the greatest threat uh, to the United but States. What kind of threat? Well, it, in it the comes, nature of it comes in in different fashions, mm -hmm. right? You have a, a symmetric threat. We call it symmetric and asymmetric, and I'll define those. The symmetric threat is where you have trained intelligence officers, right? They're career intelligence officers that have gone through many many years of training, and that's their their uh, their you know function in life is to is to acquire intelligence. You have the asymmetric threat where you and have... And they're state actors, right? They are. They're yeah, state absolutely. State-sponsored right. uh, uh, intelligence officers. Then you have the asymmetric threat, which is not as uh, clearly defined. Uh, and it can be anyone from businessmen or, you know, delegations that come through, um, uh, students. Uh, we've actually had cases uh, where they've been tasked... Right, because of their particular access or where they're located in a particular uh, a job function, um, where they've been tasked by the government uh, to acquire a certain technology and bring that back with them or forward that back over, and so that's that asymmetric threat, and uh, and you know clearly China poses harder the to follow probably absolutely right? it's very difficult right. very difficult to follow, as far as the counterintelligence division and the structure and yeah. how we're built. <clears throat> Probably uh, what I'd like to highlight is is my counter-espionage section, uh, which is obviously a, a priority uh, for the FBI, uh, which is what Section Chief uh, Cable runs. I also have a counter-proliferation center. Uh, proliferation has skyrocketed, and I think it goes right to the heart of what I described, you know, a very unstable globe um, and uh, an aggressive uh, adversaries, uh, but uh, sanctions. Uh, that we have throughout the throughout the world, uh, and so there is an effort uh, to to gain access to equipment. It doesn't have to be weapon systems, but uh, whether it be classified or unclassified type technology, in order to um, uh, you know exfiltrate that out of the United States and into these particular countries that are sanctioned. And so there are networks. But it's like of people. military. When I think of proliferation, I think of in the world of military type technology mm -hmm. for um, an adversary of the United States to either build a defense yeah. or build an offense. So that's definitely a priority, right? Yeah. But there are many other, you know, there's many countries, or I say many, there are countries that it's you just don't do business with from a United States perspective. And so there are efforts uh, amongst groups of people that want to do it just for financial gain uh, that they want to ship certain items. they're hard to get, so they're more expensive. That's, That's right. a good way to make money. That's right. right. And so we've had cases in the middle part of America uh, with, uh, I'll describe a mom-and-pop run uh, operations uh, where significant money has exchanged hands and, and items have been shipped uh, to uh, first, second, and third uh, countries in order to, to get into its... Uh, the destination country and so we've been able we've been successful in in many cases to take those down yeah no it's um like i said reading some of the press releases i mean i know you guys are out there doing these things but it's like oh my god it's really happening you know mm -hmm. it really is happening it's very aggressive agent cable can you tell us about the work of the counter espionage section um it sounds so um you know it's spooky right right so 
It, it and how are you different? I think it'd be really interesting to hear how you're different from Central Intelligence Agency. Well, that's a great question. Okay. Uh, there's often a misconception or just a misunderstanding as to what the CIA does and what the FBI does and the different uh, different actions the, that we uh, that we take upon ourselves. So the CIA generally is in the business of foreign intelligence collection. So there is information in foreign governments that they seek to acquire, bring back to the United States so that we can provide to the policymakers to make a more informed judgment on the decisions that the president and his uh, his staff is going to make on a given issue. The FBI, for the counterintelligence perspective, is that we are after the foreign intelligence collectors inside the United States who would collect our information for the benefit of those foreign governments. And in this regard, as the assistant director has just mentioned, there is a series of bad actors here in the United States who uh, generally can't walk into uh, U.S. departments, bureaus, agencies, and demand or otherwise solicit you can't information. Walk in, you can't even walk into the radio station anymore, we found out today. <laughs> right, with the right? badges we're wearing. Right. right. So you can't walk in here today. Now you have to go through some sort of security. You clearly cannot walk into any federal building. Correct. And so in that regard, they're looking for accesses uh, and persons who, with access that they can use as their proxies for the, for the acquisition of that material, that information, those papers, et cetera. And so in that regard, it's our responsibility to get to those people to harden the defense so that they are at least aware of the foreign intelligence threat that they face. So these are U.S. persons, right, American citizens, in placement and access that we want to harden, uh, that we don't want talking to these foreign intelligence actors. Uh, but in the counter-espionage section, so as uh, the assistant director had mentioned, I have a series of uh, and, a, and a great um, cadre of very professional agents who are very aggressive in this regard going out and hardening the target. Backing them up are the intelligence analysts who go out and, and they, they find where the holes are. We call them gaps. And we look to fill them. All right. And just What's to, that mean? Just make it harder for other people to like what hole, us. what kind of hole are you looking for? Give it. Can you give us an example? Sure. The uh, for example, a foreign intelligence service may want to know uh, what our plans and policies are vis-a-vis -vis that particular country or a particular strait or whatever it's going to be. So we know who has those those plans. We know who has those uh, those ideas, those policies inside those our government within the government. Right. Right. And in that regard, we can get to those people and give them defensive briefs. We can talk to them saying, hey, there is a likelihood in the next couple of weeks that you will be approached by a given bad actor. You might want not, not want to talk to that person. I saw in one of the press releases it was a university. Indeed. They were trying to get college students to mm -hmm. um, get information from. Right. Does that happen often? It does, uh, and it's happening more and more. Um, it was interesting. Uh, three or four years ago, we had an investigation within the counter-espionage section in which the uh, the Chinese intelligence services had spotted, assessed, and otherwise recruited a, uh, a U.S. student who was abroad. Um, who, who was abroad, not in the United States? Not in the United States. Okay. He was overseas. And in that regard, he had taken tasking by them and attempted to join a major metropolitan police department for the purposes of padding his resume so he could get into the United States Intelligence Service. Mm -hmm. All right. And in that regard, the community got wind of this person's action all right, and his intention to get into the community for the purposes of acting on behalf of the Chinese Intelligence Service. We stopped that. All right. That, How do you even learn about that? That there, to me is that like. That was my question. I was thinking, right. Those are great questions. But these feel like needles in a haystack. Uh -huh. 
So there's multiple ways of us finding out about information. A lot of them are either technical or human uh, derived, right? People mm -hmm. just tell us stuff. More importantly, though, is, and this is something that uh, we hopefully can get into, is our strategic partnership that we have with agencies, businesses, bureaus, and academia, in which we're leveraging our relationships to be able to have them have a sense of confidence and uh, comfort level to be able to say, hey, this is an action or uh, an activity that, that bothers us. And in that regard, perhaps we should report it to the government. Who should we report it to? Would it be the agency? Would it be Homeland Security? Would it be all these other things? It's the FBI. And in that regard, we have very specific uh, actors within our field offices who are strategic outreach coordinators, all right, strategic partnership coordinators, and they go out and develop these relationships so that when an action or something that causes concern with, uh, with somebody can report it to the FBI, and then that'll get it to the various counterintelligence or counterespionage squads around the country. So, you know, we've I've operated from an assumption, but I think it might be helpful to our listeners. Um, it's a federal crime, right? It is. To um, actively try to acquire, steal, whatever the mm -hmm. word is. I'm sure there's a word in the statute or the series of statutes, certain kinds of information, either from the right. government. It's national security information. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, well, right. So information from the government, but also information because they passed the Economic Espionage Act. Right. So information from a corporation mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. they hold. And so that's how you get your jurisdiction is that it's become a federal crime to um, to try to acquire or sell, give away that information. Correct. And so can I back up to um, hardening the target inside federal agencies? Certainly. Right. So because I find that very interesting, like I didn't know that was going on. So would you, you, you give briefings inside particular agencies where you think you have an information that there's a potential threat? Right. So th there's actually multiple things that we do. So, for example, one of our uh, our largest relationship and most fruitful re relationship is with the Central Intelligence Agency, specifically the Counterintelligence Center and the Counterespionage Group uh, over at CIA. That person is headed by an FBI. The CEG, the Counterespionage Group at CIA, is headed by an FBI agent. And in that regard... We have daily interaction um, and daily calls so, so that things that are happening with, within CIA and the things that are happening. Well, the in, information they're, they're learning, right? Yes. Well, more importantly, is it's the action that they have. They want to be able to have an avenue to, to report anomalies to the FBI. But at the same time is we get we're plugged in with them for the purposes of sensitizing other uh, agencies and other employees as to what the threat is. So that we can kind of manage that threat, mm -hmm. right? And so, in concert with the Central Intelligence Agency, indeed, right? And so we have these relationships with the Defense Department. We have them with the Homeland Security. We have them with the Department of Energy. Uh, right. We have them throughout the U.S. government. And it's a very beneficial partnership, simply because we're talking to one another. It didn't used to happen. You know, you, you mentioned before uh, September 11th, yeah. 2001. There was that wall, right? That doesn't exist any longer. As a matter of fact, as the Assistant Director had mentioned. We have det detailees that are leaving the Bureau to go and populate these other agencies for the purposes of providing us information. The same is true for these other organizations. I house several within the counterespionage section for the purposes of returning information for the, you know, for statuses and, and otherwise sharing information that would be beneficial to these other 
departments, agencies, and bureaus. So I want to clear up for our listeners. I want to make sure this is very clear. Your agents are not engaged in espionage activity. No, they are not. They're engaged in preventing it, Correct. awareness, mm-hmm. and to the extent there's um, some sort of indicia that um, maybe an act of espionage has occurred mm-hmm. or might occur, they're involved in the law enforcement activity. Correct. In the investigation mm-hmm. that, that comes after the allegation, all right, we follow it up with an investigation, and then in concert with the United States Attorney's Office, the prosecution of that individual. Mm-hmm. People must feel um, like w- that they, you know, go into work every day, they have one of these mission. you know, they... Uh, a mission comes from God, you know, I mean, that's that real people say everywhere in the government today, you know, they're involved in national security and the war on terror. But that really, um, you know, that's as cl- that is as close as you get to, you know, protecting the national security of the United States. That's right. This is and, the real deal. Yeah, this is the real deal. This is why when they told me counterintelligence division for the FBI was coming on my radio show, I rolled my eyes and I said, really, you're kidding me. Um, so. um I'm really curious about inside the agencies, and um, we have to. And I have a question for you, which I'm going to tease our listeners because I'm sort of curious what gets, because um, you'll see the prosecutions. What gets a federal um, employee, an agency, someone with access to classified information? What gets them to try to sell it? What what turns them to sell it? Because I think that those signs would be very helpful to our listeners. What are you looking for? Um, to see, you know, because we certainly don't want people just randomly turning in their colleagues. But, um, no. like, I, I just cannot imagine knowing the consequences and the risk and why feeding the enemy. I personally cannot imagine doing it. So it's, like, very interesting to me what gets, an, you know, a U.S. Um, employee to do that. And I want to ask you that, Agent Cable, when we come back from our commercial break, but we do have to take our mid-show break. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Are you a federal or U.S. Postal Service employee or annuitant or an active or retired member of the Uniformed Services? If so, you're eligible to apply for coverage under the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program. The program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Find out how at ltcfeds.com. That's ltcfeds.com. If you're a federal manager, you deal with a lot of information. Here's a tip on breaking through the noise. Join the Federal Managers Association to have a voice on Capitol Hill. And to get filtered news and information specific to managing your workforce, join the 50,000 other federal managers who already subscribe and read the free weekly e-report, fedmanager.com. I'm Todd Wells, Executive Director of the Federal Managers Association, and I approve this message. Welcome back to Fed Talk. I'm Deborah Roth. I'm hosting today's show. With us today in the studio is the Counterintelligence Division from the Federal Bureau of Investigation, headed by their Assistant Director, Randall Coleman. Before the break, though, I was speaking with um, the uh, Counter Espionage Section Chief. I love saying that. You know, <laughs> I can't stop saying it. I love saying it. Um, Agent Cable, and I was asking you to think about how you would talk to our listeners, many of whom are federal employees, many who obviously work, you know, in the defense industry, how you would talk to them when you say harden the top, the targets. You know, can you give 
you know, here's a group to li- who's listening. Can you sort of like boil it down for a group of them, um, you know, in mass? Um, what does that mean to harden the target and what are they looking for? OK, so to begin with, there is a vast majority, uh, if not all, of our um, federal employees who come to work every day right. with no right. intention whatsoever of, of almost everyone. Exactly. Giving right. up the country. It's just it's just not part of their nature. I mean, that's part of being an American and being in federal government. It's a privilege. It's fun to be here. We're, we're working on things that matter, et cetera. Uh, there are occasion, however, th- when uh, individuals, for whatever reason, kind of they just come off the wheel. The wheels come off the bus. All right, and they come out, come uh, come available in in like four different categories. Okay. Uh, sometimes it's patriotism to a to a foreign country. All right, so they may be uh, an immigrant and and decide, hey, you know, maybe Mother Russia or whomever. Uh, I, I'm more allegiance, uh, have more allegiance to them. Um, there's also a, a monetary incentive. All right. So somebody may have paid them for the access that they have, and then they're willing to sell out the country in that regard and provide information overseas. Sometimes they feel that they've been wronged. Mm-hmm. All right. They, uh, they failed to get a promotion. Uh, mm-hmm. there's, the they've been distance- exactly. There's, they've been incentivized otherwise to, uh, to exact They think revenge. the government has acted against them. Indeed. Right. Right. And sometimes you get the opportunist, and and that's the one that's the most nebulous, where for whatever reason, there may be some information that this person either comes in contact with or otherwise possesses, and they think, hey, this is of value to somebody else, and I'm, I'm going to sell it or otherwise transmit it to a foreign government. So that's the threat, right? How do you get in front of it to harden it? Well, within the last several years, we've developed a strategic partnership coordination and outreach uh, group. I call it my marketing and sales force within uh, the counter-espionage section. That's so funny. Marketing and and sales at FBI. Indeed. And we get out, and uh, so I have 80 of these people in 56 field offices around the country, and they specifically go out and develop relationships with these businesses and academia and uh, defense contractors and all the normal places where we would normally have Classified information. You talk about classified information in academia. There is a tremendous amount of research and development that's happening at the university level that isn't necessarily classified at its inception, but ultimately gets into the uh, the uh, the mechanism for developing a warhead or a missile or an airplane or a ship or a radar and those things. And to the assistant director's point, uh, that's what would be proliferated to an embargoed country. How do you get to those people to harden that target? Well, you got to get in front of them. First, you have to have a message, all right? And that is we care. Second is you've got to find the right people, right? right. And mm-hmm. so when you start talking about the greater insider threat, you've got to be able to, to, to find that person and then say, hey, listen, by virtue of your placement and access and the agreements that you have with the government or your business or the academia or the, the university or company that, that, uh, that you're employed by, you have access to trade secrets or intellectual property that is of value to that particular company. If you then choose to disclose that to a foreign government, right, that is economic espionage. If you uh, choose to provide that to a competitor, that is a theft of trade secrets. And so it's these people, these strategic partnership coordinators, the SPCs we call them, that get out and and talk to the talk to the uh, to the average person about what that looks like, what does this threat look like, who's targeting them, what methodology they're using to target them, and so the when and your agents are going out and doing sort of like 
Economic Espionage 101? Absolutely. Yeah. Who knew? Yeah. Because you don't think of FBI agents traditionally as educating you about the law. You know, no offense, guys, but it's all about, you know, after it's occurred, it's the gotcha. Mm -hmm. We're all about gotcha. Going to get the bad guy, right? So that to me is extremely interesting. Um, That's a a real Mm -hmm. flip of the traditional skill set and um, demeanor and attitude of your agents. Yeah, I think it goes right to the heart of what I said earlier about this sea change of being more proactive and predictive, right? Because we have to do that. We have to be able to go out and engage people on the front end before something bad happens in order to be into that position. And so that's why it's so critical. For, What's the reaction you get? You know, I think it, it's uh, it's certainly something in the beginning when we started it, it was different. People, mm-hmm. you know, as you mentioned, when yeah. the FBI shows up. It's, right. Uh, it's usually not good. Hey, that's not good. No. Right? But we've been able to really get this message out. And, and we have very strong alliances with the industry of uh, the private sector, with academia. And uh, we've got some really strong supporters out there. And so I think it, it's really starting to bear fruit uh, in our uh, investment in that over the right, years. Right. And that's called the um, Assistant Director Coleman. Tell me again. It's the Strategic Yeah, Strategic, strategic Partnership Program. Program. Yep. And is that just aimed at economic espionage? No. No, it, it covers the gamut, right? And so it's education about the hostile foreign intelligence threat mm-hmm. and, and what does that look like, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it encompasses all of these different threat areas that we're talking about and that we're faced with. And so it's it crosses many different uh, lines of the threat and, and for a company or for, for a college and university. Uh, so it, 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 it's the entire gamut of what we do. Mm-hmm. So... Um so it's not just economic; it's also um, in the realm of you know government classified information. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And your agents are going out. And when you say partnership, is it is it more than just an educational? Yeah. Let, tell us about that. Yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll let Sandy expand on it. But we actually have quarterly meetings uh, where we bring people together, or we host regional meetings uh, where we're actually there. It's a routine and regular event mm-hmm. uh, that we're bringing and. And it's participatory, right? So it's not just about the FBI talking. It's about bringing all of the different industry and academia together mm-hmm. so we can actually have a dialogue. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they have you're learning a, from them, too, what's going exactly on. That's exactly right. That's <clears throat> exactly right. Mm-hmm. So tell me again how long this program's been up and running. Well, I would say probably 13 years. Really? It used to be – it's had some different names. Uh, but for, you know, for where we are right now, uh, it's called the uh, Strategic Partnership Program. Mm-hmm. And Corporate America Today – you know, I mean, generally speaking, it's, you know, when the FBI shows up, everybody's like wants to get their lawyer. Right. And then yeah. really wants to talk. But today, I imagine you've made some strides. Yeah. When I looked at all um, on the website about the work you do protecting <clears throat> American, the American economy, which is driven by private corporations, um, I just thought that was an amazing sea change in the traditional work of the FBI. And, you know, not knowing that any of that was happening, corporate America today must feel pretty good about you guys. I think so. You know? I mean, I think, I think we do. And I think we've been able to demonstrate that the threat is so immense, right, that it's so big that we can't go at it alone. Not just the U.S. government cannot go at it alone. And we need everybody to contribute in order to, uh, uh, in order to protect the country. Mm-hmm. So, um, Agent Cable, you're going to tell us more about Um, the nature of these partnerships? Sure. So, for example, we have the uh, National Security Business Alliance Council, 
So this is a partnership that we have with uh, chief security officers with 30 different uh, companies in the de defense industrial base. That also includes telecommunication and information technology, et cetera. So this is a, uh, a fairly robust group of people, right? And they provide us insight into what's happening in corporate America. Mm -hmm. and kind of gives us the lay of the land as to where we're, where they're going. And, and, and that also tells us kind of where we need to get in front so we can start mitigating this stuff at the, at the front end. The assistant director's point at the beginning of the show is that this isn't just reactive uh, counterintelligence anymore. And our investigations, while they, while a vast majority of them happen after the fact, if something is stolen, there's a very robust effort that happens on the front end to prevent this from happening in the first place, right? And so these relationships that we have with these major uh, uh, aeronautical uh, corporations or heavy industry that makes big ships and 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 what have you. Those things are valuable to us because at the end of the day, it's getting in front, mitigating that on the front end protects us on the back end. Mm -hmm. right? I, I saw something on your website, which I thought was like, you know, rinky dink, but brilliant espionage. How to educate, um, you know, manufacturers who might have visitors come into their manufacturing plant. Oh, I that was fascinating. The double tape. The on double their tape. Shoes. I the wanted, double tape yes. on their shoes. I wanted to know how you knew about the double tape on the shoes. The double tape on their shoes, so they collect little splinters of metals and then they take it back and uh -huh. analyze, you know, exactly the, the alloy. Yeah, the uh, the uh, ratio uh -huh. of metal uh -huh. components. Um, that I mean, that stuck with me. Me yep. too. I mean, mm -hmm. it's so rudimentary. And look at the competitive advantage they would get. I mean, mm -hmm. that's amazing, mm -hmm. right? Right. So you got to know who's. So coming. I'm telling you, if I'm corporate America, um, and I know about this partnership, I'm like, oh yeah, come on in. Tell me all these little stupid mm -hmm. things that I need to know because that little thing. Could you imagine now? Before you walk into the plant floor, it's everybody's looking at the bottom of your shoe. Oh, I know. You're worried about the iPhones, but they've got <laughs> tape on the bottom of the shoe. Right. I know. Yep. Sorry about that. We I yeah, interrupted no you. It made me think about that. No. You know, at, at its core is understanding what the threat looks like. Right? So right. And it, the threat it, is double-sided tape. It, it, well, that's the action. Or, right? or the people that dip their ties in the chemical. I was like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So they can that see what the clever compounds too. are. Yes. Yeah. Easy, simple stuff, right? Yep. Right. So the things that we want to get out and, and want to partner sh partner with the uh, with the uh, corporations are making sure that they recognize what the threat is. All right. So they're letting in the right people and keeping out the wrong people. All right. Identifying and, and attributing a value to their trade secrets yeah. all right, or their in, uh, intellectual property, that which we, they seek to protect uh, and making sure that they have a definable plan and what their mitigation plan is, is for er, for uh, for stopping other people from getting to that widget, that formula, that thing that makes them profitable, right? So they've got to take very specific steps in order to, to protect it. And so they've got to have a defense in depth, these corporations, right? To be able to say, hey, if something is ultimately stolen from us, we've got to be able to articulate how they attempted to defend it. And if it was egressed out of the company, that when we ultimately catch the bad guy, and we catch a lot of them. You do, I know. Yeah, it, it comes down to we can show to the jury or to whomever that these are the steps that were that were taken by the, the victim corporation. They tried, that it is of independent monetary value, that it wasn't released to the individual or a foreign uh, company f uh, or country for, for the betterment of, uh, of their product or their economy. And then we can get... Uh, 
the the prosecution going so we can hold these bad actors accountable. Mm-hmm. It reminded me when I was reading um, about that and, you know, just even giving a tour of your plant mm-hmm. could inform an adversary um, of your of your economic output strength and mm-hmm. your productivity and how you arrange it. It reminded me, and then we're going to take a commercial break, um, how my husband's older brother is an engineer for Boeing, mm. and they live in Seattle. And so we go there like once a year to visit. And when you come out of the airport, you then, uh, Seattle Airport, to get to downtown Seattle, you pass Boeing Field, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever done that yeah. before, but um, it's really phenomenal, right? And every time we drive past it, I always say, like like clockwork, I say, oh, my God, wouldn't that be so great to get a tour? And he says, I'm not even allowed inside. And he's the brother. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm not even allowed inside of Boeing. Um, they won't even let family members in. Hmm. And um, that's been like their policy. And, you know, t- when I last night was reading all this, that's what I thought of. It was right. like. That's what right, because you think of cybersecurity, but um, they're just walking in and right. using Physical, tape, right? And Physically on the ground, we, mm-hmm. we don't even want you to know how we're set up. Yep. Um, and of course, that's how you remain being Boeing. But for the little guys out there in corporate America, yeah. you know, they might learn the hard way. So what right. you do is really, you know, getting in front and mm-hmm. educating, which is not traditionally the FBI's mission. Um, I have to say, is really. Um, you know, a, it's it's a terrific thing you do for, um, you know, the average American who's running a company trying mm-hmm. to do something good for for themselves or their employees or the workforce. And it made me think about, you know, like all these little things like I would never know they're walking in with tape um, and, you know, great work. OK, so in the last segment of the show, what I'd like to do is talk about some of the cases that made the press releases. They're extremely interesting. And I think it'd be very helpful to um to listeners to know what's really going on out there um, because um, actual specific cases because it gets lost in sensationalized news. Um, So we'll do that when we come back in the last segment of our show. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today. That's ltcfeds.com. Welcome back to Fed Talk. I'm Deborah Roth. I'm hosting today's show. It's the counterintelligence division for the Federal Bureau of Investigation. And um, if you go on the um, FBI's website, um, which is FBI.gov, then you get to the counterintelligence division um, um, sort of inside page. And there you'll find all kinds of press releases regarding, um, and, and even in 2015, it's um, it's four separate um, uh, either arrests or convictions with regard to an act of um, espionage. And it was and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, who knew so much of that was going on? But can I ask either one of you um, for our listeners if they think that they um, they have something to report 
to the counterintelligence division an act of potential economic espionage um, or espionage with inside the U.S. government. How do they do that? Yeah, so absolutely. Uh, the FBI.gov website uh, is a place with a tremendous amount of information. A lot of what we talked about today about the counterintelligence division, but there's actual information on there about how to report. Um, and then also, as I mentioned, all 56 field offices, uh, there is a counterintelligence program in each one of those. And so they can contact any one of those field offices and they will be forwarded to the appropriate individuals to be able to handle uh, whatever uh, they want to discuss. And, and so we'll follow up on it that way. Okay, so they get start at the website, right? Yeah, the website. Start at the website. <clears throat> so what struck me when I was reading the news releases was that you had at least two, um, two convictions, maybe they were arrests, regarding scientists or former scientists who work in the national labs. So, Assistant Director Coleman, tell us what the national labs are. Yeah, so the national labs... We've lost track of that since the Cold War ended, right? And we're all focused on Sony Pictures and terrorists. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's still the ultimate sort of act of um, espionage, I think, is is our nuclear weapons, weapons, right? Right, absolutely. So critically important, and as I mentioned early on, uh, the relationships that we have with the rest of the U.S. intelligence community uh, and our partners is critical to our success. Uh, the Department of Energy is no different. Um, we have a tremendous cadre of people uh, that are dedicated to work uh, every day with the Department of Energy. Uh, we also have agents uh, located at all the national laboratories uh, that work hand-in-hand uh, with the counterintelligence components for the Department of Energy. Um, Explain to our listeners what happens at the national labs. So uh, many different uh, scientific uh, areas of responsibility from the Department of Energy, but absolutely probably first and foremost is uh, the, the weapons development. Um, nuclear prob- weapons. Yeah, nuclear weapon, weapon development uh, is uh, probably the prime uh, effort of, uh, of the National Laboratory. Um, I think something that would be uh, really good to, for the listeners to talk or at least hear about is a case... Uh, that was recently adjudicated uh, out in San Francisco, and it is probably the most significant economic espionage case uh, in U.S. history. Uh, and it's in, it, Sandy, you want to talk about it? It involves uh, DuPont. Right. Mm-hmm. So DuPont, the major uh, chemical Yeah, and Julie and I are sitting here like, how come we never heard of it, right? Have you heard of it? Well, I'm not sure. <laughs> so in 2014, three defendants were found guilty um, for providing technical data, and more importantly, the, um, the the formula for a given compound for turning things white. So sheets. No, I have not heard paper, about this one. Shirts, you mean my OxyClean? All of it. Wow. That which turns things white is that chemical. That I love OxyClean. To include <laughs> the double stuff in your Oreos comes from DuPont, all right? And this technology, more importantly, the the chemical makeup and the process by which you develop this was stolen from them and provided to uh, to China. All right, why the Chinese? Ha- I, I have to stop you right there. Okay. Why do they want to make things white? Why do they care so much? We like the color white in the in Oreos. They yeah. put that much effort into the color white. Indeed, and and uh, think about industrial paints, and think about paper, and think of all the things that you use that are simple white. Right? Oh wow! It's a it's a it's a compound. It's a bleaching. It's a process that's very efficient. That the Chinese had this 
by themselves, et cetera. But what they did was they stole the process that, that made it more efficient. And so they didn't have to um, capitalize on the development themselves. So they found it, they, they targeted a couple employees who had access to these trade secrets. And then they recruited these people, they paid them well, and they aggressed these, uh, mm. these formulas and processes out of the company and over to China. And when, when was that? In two, well, that uh, it was back in 2011 when we first got the uh, the lead, and the prosecution was in 2014. And then there are several co-conspirators that are in the judicial process that still haven't been played out. How how does somebody figure that out? Like how do they now, how do they figure out that the crime occurred? Has that come to light? A lot of times, uh, all of a sudden the Chinese are like whitening like, things. All of a sudden they have a process, all right, and and that gets informed back to the to the uh, major company. So in this in this case, it was Dupont. Dupont made the referral to the FBI. Said, "Hey, listen, our stuff is out there, and we want to make the referral to the bureau that the, the theft has occurred." Mm-hmm. And hmm. Assistant Director Coleman said it was mm-hmm. the largest economic espionage. Yeah, economic act. espionage investigation that we've conducted to date. Is that dollars? Are you talking dollars? Yeah, it's dollars. And then when you look at the network, right, the network of individuals that were involved in this investigation and and companies in China uh, that were involved in the acquisition of this particular process, uh, an an incredible economic espionage investigation. Mm -hmm. Over turning things white. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's it's just, it's, um, you know, I listen, and it's all about this, right? We're all tuned into the cyber attacks mm-hmm. to, like, hack right. and gain access to things. Um, and so you sort of forget more about traditional manufacturing, mm-hmm. the traditional manufacturing sector. But um, um, my question is, so you prosecute the people inside DuPont who sold it to um, the Foreign Intelligence Service. How does DuPont, DuPont can't recover? It's, no, it's gone. Wow. Right. And so that affects all of us. Right. It affects shareholder value. It, it affects our TSP. It affects our retirement. So right. all of that. DuPont's publicly held corporation. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's in everybody's benefit. All right. And it's everybody's responsibility. And, and remember, at, at its core, this is all uh, personal responsibility and, uh, and managing behavior. But if we want to be serious about this, it's we've got to get in front of these people to harden the target, as we discussed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, get the get the word out. You know, that just people initially are trying it sounded stuff. silly, right? Like mm-hmm. you know, we want to learn how to you know make things as white as we can. And then when you hear, well, there's no obviously. I mean, I guess I knew the answer to that. There's no way for Dupont to put the genie back in the bottle. <laughs> um, and so um, that has a dramatic economic effect on a very large publicly held U.S. company. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I come back to not in my wheelhouse that FBI does that kind of work. It's right. huh. just not mm-hmm. in my wheelhouse. So um, if I saw it in my wheelhouse, my guess is it's not in a lot of other people's wheelhouse. Um, we have a few minutes left in the show, and I do know from the information that was sent to us, Assistant Director Coleman from your office, that critical infrastructure is also in your mission area. Yeah. Um, and so when we hear critical infrastructure, we know you're talking about like power plants and water treatment plants. Tell us what you, the work of your division is. In yeah, that so that's a great. So this is becoming an emerging issue uh, for us. Yeah, I read it and I was like, OK, now I'm yeah. really drinking bottled water. Yeah. So it, it is. It's a grave concern. Uh we are taking steps to uh, address that from an investigative uh, perspective and, again, trying to be as proactive and predictive as possible. Uh, so I'll let John, uh, my chief of staff, talk about 
uh, you know, what we're doing mm-hmm. uh, in order to address this and work with uh, the different uh, corporations. John, thank you. Uh, no problem, Deborah. So what we're seeing is we talked about uh, the two threats before, the symmetric threat and the asymmetric threat, which have a, a rather direct linkage to foreign intelligence services. But one of the other things, kind of an evolving, emerging threat we're seeing is that through legitimate commercial activity with, with companies that have ties back to, to governments or to, to countries that you know, have uh, foreign policies that are hostile to the United States, right? is that these companies, um, again, may be benign, at least their, their, their activity here in the U.S. is benign. It's just commercial activity. But if you peel back some of the layers on what that access gives, you know, through normal commercial activity, and, and you peel back the layers and find the ties that are going back into China and Russia, what you start seeing is that this is a whole different avenue in which to acquire U.S. classified, U.S. proprietary information in a manner that isn't traditional. There's Hmm. not a spy on the ground. There's not someone here that's been tasked. It's a salesman going out and getting a contract to manage an enterprise IT network. Hmm. Legitimate business. There's nothing illegal about it. Um, But if you start peeling back how that data is handled, no matter what's written in the contract, if you start peeling that back, you start seeing that, wow, the, the, the network operation for your company, mm-hmm. for your clear defense contractor for this program, wow, that's being managed back in China, or the data center is, is back, you know, back in Russia, or the code written for that is somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you start looking back at these threads, and this is something that the FBI has not historically been doing, is to better define that threat. Because if I'm a company and have to make a business decision, do I enter a contract with someone that's going to provide me a good or a service that's part of a critical mm-hmm. enterprise, you know, transportation energy? I need to know risk is threat, vulnerability, and consequence. But the FBI's job is to try to define that threat better mm-hmm. for these companies. And I regret that we um, waited to the very end of the show to talk about the infrastructure threat. So that's a great reason to bring you all back. Um, but we, because, you know, it's frightening for people like me who actually run a business. Um, so I do appreciate getting a little taste of that at the very end. And I am hoping that everyone will come back and join us. Um, sometime in 2016, um, and uh, Godspeed to the work that you all do in the FBI Counterintelligence Division. And if you ever want to do any more promoting through our uh, Fed Talk, please feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Anything.